You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. He is fulfilling his promise to build his church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And this church is a testimony that God's promise is true. And as a result, God's church is getting bigger. And um, I want you to know that there has never been a meeting, there has never been a strategy, there's never been a goal set for Harvest Bible Chapel to get bigger. We have not spent a single second of time trying to figure that out because we know biblically that is God's responsibility. From the beginning, we have said we are not going to focus on a quantity of disciples. We are going to focus on a quality of discipleship. And so if it's God's responsibility to make the church bigger, what would be our responsibility? And with this, I would like to announce to you our theme for the next ministry year. We try to do this subtly. It kind of sneaks up on you. But here it is. If it is God's responsibility to make us bigger, it is our responsibility to do what? It is to go deeper. And that is what we're going to focus on over the course of the next 12 months. The reason that is so essential is because as the church gets bigger, it bears more weight, the more fruit that it produces, and it hangs on those vines and branches. If there is not a deep root system, what's going to happen the first time that the winds of opposition or tribulation or persecution come? What's going to happen to that tree or, in our analogy, the church? It's going to collapse upon its own Wait, And so if we're getting bigger, we better be intentional about going deeper. That is what God wants us to do. Now, a lot of people don't like to go deep. And if you're here this morning and you say, I, I'm not quite sure, that's kind of intimidating. I'm not quite sure I'm ready to go there. That's okay. As a matter of fact, bigger churches seem to attract more toe dippers. Do you know what a toe dipper is? Now, you, you may be like me. I, how many of you, when, when you come to a large body of water, you find the deepest part and you just plunge right in? I mean, you're not concerned about the, what the temperature is. You know it's all going to, you're going to get wet totally anyway, so you just dive right in. Now, listen, uh, th- some of you are like that. Some of you are like me, however. I'm a toe dipper. I have 10 toes. Each individual toe reaches the water at a different time. Okay, because I'm not quite sure I'm going to like the temperature. I don't want to go too deep too fast. I have to kind of adjust to what's happening in the water. Some people come to church like that. As a matter of fact, we all kind of come to church like that. And we all kind of come to Christ like that. Uh, Most of us did not respond in repentance and faith and surrender the first time you were ever introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You began to slowly soften as God began to warm your heart and you gradually and then fully and finally you dove in. Now, no matter how deep you are already or how shallow you may be, God is calling you deeper into his fullness 
and into faith. That's what we're gonna be studying here from Ephesians chapter three. Now, a lot of people, um, it's okay if you're a toe dipper. It is not okay if you only want to swim in the kiddie pool, all right? Um, you are too big and there is too much at stake and there is way too much going on for you to spend your time just splashing around wearing those floaties down in the shallow end. And if you're looking for a hot tub where you can just kind of sit back and kick your feet up, that's not this church, okay? Um, you can find a hot tub church out there somewhere. That's not going to work here. We're going to make you feeling really uncomfortable if you're just looking for a place to kind of sit and consume and absorb. God is calling you to swim deep. And we're going to look at that uh, from this passage here in just a moment. Now think about it. The reason that you want to go deep is because the deeper you go, the greater joy you experience in His presence. The deeper you love, the deeper you trust God in the midst of all the chaos that's going on, the deeper the calm. You know, deep waters are calm on the surface, aren't they? And if you're in the deep end, you can experience a calm when everybody else is splashing around in their chaos, wondering how are we gonna get out of this thing alive. But a deep Christian understands, I can trust, I can rest, I am supported, I'm not gonna sink in the middle of this thing, I'm in deep waters, but God has me. And so you experience a greater calm, a greater trust and a greater intimacy with Christ. And as you experience a greater nearness and closeness and fullness of Christ, you know what you also experience? You experience a greater intimacy and a greater purity because he begins to clean up areas of your life where he has access to where once he did not. And so that's what we're interested in. And when you get a deeper love and a deeper trust and a deeper intimacy and a deeper purity, you know, do you know what you have? You have a deeper impact in your community and for those around you. So let's see it here from Ephesians chapter three, this theme of deeper. We're just kind of look at, these are some of the most rich passages in the Bible. Have you ever had a piece of cheesecake and you couldn't finish it, not because you didn't want to, but because it was, it was so rich, you just couldn't take another bite? That is what this section of scripture is like. And so um, we're gonna spend the next four weeks talking about this theme of deeper. Then when we finish that, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take about half of this ministry year and week by week, we're gonna go verse by verse through the entire book of Ephesians. But right now, we're just gonna kinda of skim over the heart, the core of this book, and it begins in Ephesians chapter three. I'll read verse 17, 18, and 19. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and, what's that next word? Depth. Depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so we're gonna go deeper this year, and I'm gonna invite you into that process. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go deeper through faith. That means that we're gonna move from entry-level belief to all-access trust. Deeper 
through faith. That's what it says here in verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Every inch of progress you make, you make through faith. It is what God calls us to. He reveals who he is through his word. I wrap my mind and my being around that and I trust that what God has to say is true. If you're gonna move deeper, you're gonna have to move deeper through faith. And notice here it says, so that Christ may dwell. Do you see that little word dwell there in verse 17? That is one of the most important words for someone who wants to move from the shallow end to the deep end. Now, let me explain what that word means as best I can. First of all, that word does not mean the initial point where Christ enters your life by faith. There is an initial sense, and I trust you've had that sense. If you have never trusted Christ initially for salvation, repenting of sin, and giving your life to him as Lord and Savior, you can do that now. And when that happens, do you know what happens? Christ moves into your heart. He lives in you. The word dwell means to abide. It means to become a resident. And if you have not had the experience of Christ taking up residence in your heart, you have not even had the initial entry-level belief required for salvation. Good news, you've come to the right place. That can happen right here, right now. If by faith you say, you know what, I am empty and I want Christ in my life, to dwell in my life. That can happen right here, right now, by faith. Trust that what he did on that cross was for you, repent of sin, and he will take up residence in your heart. But listen, this verse of scripture was written to people that had already had that experience. And so to dwell means more than just an entry-level belief. It's not that I come to your house and you let me in the entryway and say, don't take another step. To dwell means you give me an all access pass to your home. It is the difference between you being a guest at a hotel and the owner of the home. Do you understand the difference? If you go to a hotel and you rent a room, they give you a key to only one room. It would be rude and probably illegal for you to try to get into another room in the hotel. You say, well, I'm a resident here. I, I belong here. No, you got access to one room. You're expected to leave the room relatively unchanged except for some surface cleaning. You're not allowed to redecorate. You really shouldn't move the furniture. And don't take anything that is supposed to, to be there for the next guest, right? That's the way many of us have invited Christ to dwell in our hearts. We want him in, but we do not want him to have access to any other place but the entryway. Now, if you own the home, not only do you get all access to every room in the home, you have the right to make whatever change you want to make. 
Last night, my wife introduced me to a new program. Actually, she introduced me to a, a whole new channel on, on the satellite dish. I don't even know what the letters are for. It has an H, a G. <laughs> I think I understand the T and the V, but I don't even know. And, and there's this program called Fixer Upper. You know, you're disciples of Fixer Upper. <laughs> what are their names? You even know their names. Some of you don't even know a Bible verse, but you know the names. You're disciples of these people. And what do they do? They buy this home. It's a complete wreck. I, they, they bought this home, and they're in Waco, Texas. Isn't every home in Waco, Texas a wreck? And so they buy these homes, and in just a few weeks, they completely transform the entire house. Why? Because they own it and they can do whatever they want to. They can take the dark paint and turn it into bright colors. They can knock out walls and put walls in, and, and, and that's the kind of all access that Christ wants for every believer. Do you understand the difference between the shallow hotel experience and the deep homeowner experience? If you've only given Christ entry-level access, he wants to take you deeper. What if you were to invite me over to your home? And I stepped into the, to the uh, entryway there, and uh, you were making final preparations for a wonderful meal, and you said, um, I've got to go and, and, and finish up dinner here. It'll take me about five minutes, but I just want you to just, just make yourself at home. I'm like, okay. And so I make my way into the living room and I kind of look at the chairs and I'm like, that one's for Mama Bear and that one's for Papa Bear. And I, I find the, the chair I want to sit in and I, I start to put myself in this chair and you race out of the kitchen and grab me and say, no, 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 not that chair. That's my husband's chair. And he has some sanctification issues and he, he doesn't like anyone else sitting in his chair. So just, just you'll need to find another chair. I'm like, okay, no problem, no problem. I, I realized, well, maybe I don't really want to sit. Maybe I'll just kind of make my way over here to uh, the bookshelves. And I, I look at the bookshelves and I see a book that looks interesting and it happens to be a Bible. It's like, it looks like an antique Bible. And I'm like, oh, I, wonder, I wonder how old that Bible is. And I go, and I'm about to grab it, and you race out of the kitchen. You slap my hand and say, don't touch that Bible. That is an antique Bible. It's worth millions of dollars, and it's about to fall apart, and we, we need to get it rebound, but you just don't touch that Bible. Okay, you go back in the kitchen. I walk down the hallway, and I'm looking at rows of doors, and I begin to put my hand on a, doorknob, you race out of the kitchen and you tackle me and say, no, not that door, that's the closet where we shoved all the junk and that's, you know, the, the house looks clean out here, but that's where all the stuff is and you might get hurt if you open it. How many of you have a door like that? Okay, good. You don't have access to that. Well, pretty soon, I begin to figure out that what you meant when you said, make yourself at home, doesn't really mean make yourself at home. Make yourself at home means you have all access to everything that's mine is 
yours. Do you know the best way to understand that little word dwell? It means that Christ would make himself at home in your hearts. To have access behind every curtain, into every cabinet, that he would see the lustful thoughts, that you would give him access to the containers of bitterness that are hidden away in the corner closets, and that you would allow him as the owner of you to make whatever change he deems necessary. And do you know what happens to a Christian that wants to go deeper? Pretty soon, those dark colors of despair and hopelessness are changed to bright colors of joy and trust. He begins to rip out the carpets that are stained with immorality and idolatry and begins to remodel areas of your home. He begins to rip out cabinets that are full of containers of sin and replaces that with purity. That's what it means to move from entry-level belief to all-access trust. Do you treat Christ like he is the homeowner or do you treat him like he's a hotel guest? Have you given him access to the entryway, but yet you don't allow him to go into the deepest recesses of your heart? That's where we wanna go this year, and that's what this passage is talking about. So that Christ may dwell, make himself at home, settle down in to your hearts. Interesting, it doesn't say into your mind. This is not an intellectual process. It's not a rational process. This is something that is at the very control center of our being, our hearts. Through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth to know the love of Christ. And so let's look here at the second part of verse 17. Here's the second thing we're going to learn that God wants to take us deeper in love. Do you see it there in verse 17? That you being rooted and grounded, next two words, in love. This love that he's speaking here is an agape, that's the Greek word, love. It's different than a sentimental love, it's different than a family love, it's different than a sexual love. It is talking about a self-sacrificing love. And when we are rooted in that kind of love, we will have deeper impact. Now it's important to understand here, the love that he's talking about here, I contemplated this and studied it out here, and, and what, I, what I believe it's teaching here is this. This is not God's love for me, he talks about that later, we're gonna get to that, but this is my love for God and my love for others and my love for the lost. And so he's talking about being rooted and grounded in a love relationship to Christ. That means we are going to go deeper when we move from shallow admiration to passionate adoration of Christ. Do you know the difference between admiration, 
that's when you're in the stands at a football game and you give admiration or approval to the people that are way off in the distance playing the game. But adoration means to give your worship and to actually sacrifice something from yourself to demonstrate your passion toward the object of your love. And so we're to be rooted and grounded. Let's talk about those two words. It's interesting. He gives us an agricultural illustration, rooted, and he gives us an architectural illustration, grounded. Let's first of all talk about grounded. What does that mean? Well, it's obviously talking about the root system. And as we talked about earlier, the bigger the tree, the deeper the roots must go. What do roots do? To be rooted means that you have a stability when there is a storm blowing against that which is above the surface. Have you ever been in a storm? Have you ever had the storms of life rock your world, an unexpected tragedy, a, a health crisis, a relational conflict? Those are storms that all of us experience. Now, why is it that some people wilt and some people get blown over and devastated by those types of tragedies and the person that experiences the same type of tragedy, sure they experience the pain of that, but somehow they bounce back and they remain strong even in the midst of the storm. You know what the difference is? It's the root system. How deep do your roots go? Because I've got an announcement to you to make. I don't know exactly what's gonna happen this year, but you're gonna have a storm blow against you. And if you are just a person who gives shallow admiration to Christ, I'm really glad he lived, he died, he rose again, great for him, and then you go on the rest of your life as if that doesn't really make a difference, you're too shallow to endure the storm. You are to be rooted, and roots provide stability in the storm. Deep Christians don't get blown over when the storms of life come. And roots, interestingly, are invisible. Deep Christians don't care if they ever get noticed. They, they, they don't care if they get applause. They're not living for man's applause. All they're interested in doing is going deeper. And the deepest Christian in this church is probably somebody we don't even know about because their private life with God is so strong, they don't need to publicize it. Deep Christians don't care if they get noticed. Another thing about roots is roots are dirty. Get it? Root, roots get dirty. Deep Christians aren't afraid to get dirty. Uh, it was great this weekend to be surrounded by an army of roots. Do you know about the roots in our church? I mean, you see this guy right here? Come here, bud. Stand up, stand up. You know, this, you, let, me, let me introduce you to a root. Turn around. This is a root right here. This is a root. This is a guy that bears responsibility. He's wilting under the pressure, but uh, he is a root. And I'm looking around, I'm seeing the root system of this church. Thank you, brother. I'm, I'm seeing the root system of this church. Do you know why this church is strong? It's not because of what happens up here in the visible light. It's because of some invisible people that know how to pray, who know how to be generous, who know how to bear some weight of responsibility, that know how to do some dirty jobs that don't get a lot of recognition and don't get a lot of thankfulness. That's why this church is strong. 
because some people have decided I am going from shallow admiration to deep, passionate adoration. It is a love, it's a labor of love. They are rooted. And the greatest thing about roots is roots transport the nutrients for fruit. And where there is no fruit, there is no root. I would look at you, if you want to determine it, on a depth finder, where am I? Shallow, deep. You know the greatest way to determine that? Is to determine what kind of spiritual fruit do you see being born in your life? The more fruit, the better the root. And so if you want to bear much fruit, you've got to have deep roots. He tells us to be rooted and grounded in love. Here's the second word, grounded. It's an architectural illustration, and it's the idea of a building that is built upon a deep foundation. It's interesting, it reminds us of the story, the parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter six, verses 47 through 49. He said, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show him what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose and the stream broke against that house and couldn't, it, it could not shake it because it had been well built. You see, the taller the structure, the deeper the foundation. So we are to be rooted, we're to be grounded in love. What are we saying? It's gonna take more than just a sentimental appreciation for Jesus to get you through the storm. Deep love for God nourishes life and produces fruit in the midst of spiritual drought all around you. If you've got a deep root system, you can survive a spiritual drought and our country is in the midst of a spiritual drought. Deep love for God grounds you when the winds of opposition are blowing against you. Mark it. The winds of opposition are blowing stronger and stronger for those of us that identify with Christ. And deep love for God stabilizes you in the midst of an earthquake of pain and sorrow and tragedy. Deep Christians adore Christ. They're rooted and they're anchored and tethered to this admiration they have for Jesus Christ. And then one more thing is this. God's gonna call us this year to deeper comprehension. Deeper to comprehend. Look at it here in verse 18. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, in order to go deeper, you have to understand you have no capacity to do this. Do you see the word strength there in verse 18? He's acknowledging that apart from Christ, we have no strength. When he uses the word strength there, he's not talking about going from a little strength to a little more strength. He's talking about going from no strength to much strength. 
And so that is a picture of his grace. God must provide the strength. God must provide the ability for you to even comprehend what I'm even talking about right now. If you're scratching your head like, I have no idea what he's talking about. Either I'm a really bad preacher, which may be the case, or God is not strengthening you to comprehend the grace and the love that he is offering to you. You need to pray for strength. Ask God to give you the strength to comprehend. The word comprehend there means to know. It means to have access to the revealed knowledge of God. Now, this is a mysterious thing. This is not book knowledge. This is not classroom work. This is something the Spirit of God has to do in those who are hungry to go deeper. And so we need to understand it is a mysterious thing. It's, it's hard to define. It's hard to describe. But let me offer a caution here before I try to describe it, okay? Do not expect to comprehend everything there is to know about an incomprehensible God, okay? You have a finite mind, and it's like a speck of dust on the canvas of all that God is. You will never be able to fully comprehend an infinite God. He is incomprehensible, okay? But this prayer tells us that we can go deeper in the knowledge that God has revealed. God has not revealed everything there is to know about God. But what he has revealed is what we want to go after during this ministry year. So how can we even measure with finite minds an infinite love for God? And notice here, it does say that what we're to to comprehend in verse 19 is to know the love of Christ. Now that has to do with Christ's love for me. And he puts it in four different ways for us to just try to discover the deeper aspects of the knowledge and the love of Christ. Here's the first thing that he mentions. He he mentions these four dimensions. It's, it's, It's an incredible picture here. He talks about the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. The breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. So God's love is wide, it's long, it's high, and it is deep. What's he trying to bring me into? Well, he's trying to bring me from surface affirmation of some facts to boundless saturation with the measureless love that Christ has for those in whom he dwells. Would you like to know just a a little broader dimension, a little deeper dimension, a little higher dimension of the love of Christ? Let's see if we can just try to wrap our minds around that for a few minutes. First of all, let's talk about this word, the breadth. Would you be able to pray this prayer and, be, and believe that God is going to take you deeper and just tell him, God, I want to know your accepting love. How much does God accept you? If you ask a three-year-old and you ask her, how much does God love you? 
What is she likely to do? This much. And that may be the best way to describe it. It's just wide. There's breadth to it. You know the other thing that you're saying when you say this? It's wide enough for me. With all my baggage, with all my sin, God accepts me. It is a wide love. That ought to be a motivation for those of us that are trying to make disciples and get the gospel out. Because if God accepted me with all of my sin, I can accept others. And so I can show the love of Christ when I make God's love wide. Now it's important to understand, some of you are already thinking, but Jesus said the way is narrow. That's true, but we shouldn't make it any more narrow than Jesus made it. It ought to be at least that wide. And so I want to know God's accepting love. What's the next word? Let me try that again. What's the next word? Length. And so we've talked about the breadth. It's wide. But let's talk about how long God's love is. That has to do with God's lasting love. God, I want to know your lasting love. That means it never has an expiration date. God's love lasts. It began in eternity past for me, and it will continue into eternity future for all those in Christ. There are no interruptions. God never pushes the pause button and says, I'm not going to love you today. Just, just, I ran out. I was, too, I was too busy loving Bud because you know how hard Bud is to love. No, he, he, he loves Bud, and he, he's got plenty left over for you, too. And so each one of us, please understand, there's nothing you could ever do to get God to stop loving you. He never gives up on you. He never lets go of you. No matter what trial or difficulty you may be facing, you never have to ask the question, God, do you still love me? Because if you loved me, you wouldn't be letting this happen. Oh, yeah, he would. He, he loves you to the end. He never gives up. He never lets go. So God's love is wide. God's love is long. What's the next word? It's high. What does it mean for God's love to be high? Well, that means that you can know God's elevating love. It's a vertical love. And it lifts you up. It takes you from wherever you are and allows you to soar. It's really hard to talk about this in the midst of deeper, but it's, it's a vertical relationship. And God wants to take you from where you are to greater elevation. God's love lifts you to the highest, most privileged place. The scripture tells us that we have been raised to life. The scripture tells us that we have been seated in heavenly places. And so God's love is not only wide, it's not only long, it is high, it's an elevating love. Get your eyes off your circumstances. He wants to elevate your lives. And if we really believe that God's love is higher than any other love, why would we spend so much time seeking lesser loves? God's love is the highest love. And no matter how poorly your spouse may love you or how poorly your parents may have loved you, 
caught, comprehend at a deeper level the heights of God's love. And then here's the last thing, the depth of Christ's love for us. I want to know God's penetrating love. You know what, you wanna know how, how deep Christ's love is for you? Um, he descended from the heights to the depths. He left his throne from heaven. He came to earth, he was born as a little baby. He lived for 33 years in a, in a sewer pit that is this world. At the end of his lifetime, he didn't get an upgrade. As a matter of fact, sinful, wicked men nailed him to a cross. He died an unjust death. And then, and then they put him in a grave, the lowest parts of the earth. Three days later, God's elevating love brought him out of that grave. A higher love than man's hatred of him. And why did he do all of it? Because he wanted to make his love wide enough for you, long enough for you, high enough for you, deep enough for you, and he wants you to go deep into that kind of love. Not only that, but he wants to make his way to the deepest parts of you. God's love goes to the depths of my pain, the depths of my motivations. He goes to the depths of my doubt, and he wants to go to the depths of my sin. God's love is not a pampering love. God's love is a penetrating love. God's love is a perfecting love. He wants to make some renovations in me. You're a fixer-upper. And he wants all access to make the necessary changes. Do you want to go deeper with him? Will you allow him all access to go deeper into you? Why don't we bow our heads right now? And would you just express what you just expressed to me? God, I want to go deeper. Maybe you just need to admit you've been playing in the kiddie pool, you've been a toe dipper, and you haven't been very interested in going much deeper than where you are. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you've been in that deep end before and you had a near-death experience. Maybe you were disappointed by some Christian or maybe you got hurt in a previous church experience and you just think it's safer kind of splashing around on the shore. God wants you to go deeper. Would you ask him right now to dwell at a deeper place? Jesus, I want to thank you that you overcame our opposition, our resistance to you. 
and you came initially by faith into our hearts to live, to reside, to take up residence. What a gracious, loving act that was. And yet for most of us, we've, we've been in church, we've listened to sermons, we've served, we've given. And yet, we're at a point where we need to go deeper. And God, I pray that you would speak by your spirit to individual hearts. We're all at different levels. But I want to go on record that I want to go deeper with you. I want to be rooted and grounded in love. That I could comprehend what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of your love for me. I give you access to every component part of my heart and I pray that my friends here would do the same. God, strengthen us by your grace to know you at a deeper level. We could never fully comprehend your greatness could never fully understand your measureless love for us. But God, by your spirit, that's what we want. That's what we ask for. And we pray in Christ's name, by faith. Amen. Let's stand together. Mike is going to lead us.